Welcome to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God. Pastor Larry Sterling, we invite you to join us in a service soon. We're located at 379 Avenue A, East Point, Florida. Our service times are 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. We pray that this week's message inspires you to shine the light of Christ to those around you. We're going to pick up in verse 8. I'm going to read through 21, and then, I'm going to, and then I'm going to cover the other two parts that I'm not going to get to in a moment. But the Bible says, For you were once darkness. See, I want to preach already. You were one, it doesn't say you were once in darkness. See, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Once you were darkness, but now you are light. So Paul says, walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Mm, I'll get there in a minute. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly and not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, one more time before the message. I pray, God, that you clear our minds of our activities that are going to be today and tomorrow and our schedules and our hearts and, Lord, all of our worries and our troubles. I pray, God, that you would just remove it far from us, Lord, as we focus in on your Son. And I pray for the next few brief moments, O oh Lord, I pray, God, that you would enlighten our hearts, you would enlighten our spirits, you would enlighten where we are, God, that we would recognize the beauty of what you have placed before us, and God, how we are able one day to go forward for the kingdom of heaven, that God, that we are going to walk as light and not as darkness. So Lord, I just pray that your blessings be here in this moment, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. I want to briefly get to the other two things very quickly. I do not have time to go deep within these and mine the precious treasures that are in there. So if you have your Bibles open, just look with me on verses 1 through 7. The Bible says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Then he, Paul goes in and tells you what the things you should not be doing and have all these things in your life. But he's saying, be imitators of God. Simply saying, 
as a result of where we've been. So let's go where we've been. Ephesians chapter 1, we know that all of heaven's blessings are available to us as found in verse 3. Several other major truths that are found in that passage. As you get to the end of the passage, you know that all the Spirit of God, all of God's power in His Spirit are available to you today. So whatever you're facing, no matter what you're going through, the power of God is available. The power that raised Christ from the dead is breathing and living in you right now if you name yourself a child of God. So with, I mean, that's like I said, that power, that anointing, that's the greatest news. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ that there is that gives you hope for your future. The second chapter we go into, we recognize that we were lost, we were dead, we were without hope. But because of all of heaven's blessings and all the power of God that raised Christ from the dead, now we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We are his masterpiece as we believe by faith. So through your faith in the completed work of Jesus Christ, through your faith in Christ, you are redeemed, you are set free, and now you are God's basically putty to God mold you and make you into the creature, the beautiful creation that he has desired for you to be. Then we get into chapter 3, and as we go through chapter 3, we recognize that, that we get that God's love is so grand and so mighty and so powerful that you... That it's going to take the Spirit of God to help you to dive into the very depths of the love of God. You can dive deep as far as you possibly could dive. And you're not going to find the end of God's love. You could rise as high as you could possibly go. And you're not going to find the end of God's love. Let me, let me, get this, let me explain this to you. Science has understood the universe as it continues to grow and grow and grow. As it keeps going out. They say that it's, it's, it's almost like it's eternal. That it just keeps going we can't find the end of it and the bible says that the very same thing if you keep going high enough you're going to get out there in outer space and as you keep going and keep going and keep going trying to find the end of this universe god is saying you can't find it because you're not going to find the end of my love you're not going to find anything that stops my love and then you get over into chapter four Chapter 4 grows, uh, goes through the, the powerful passages that explain to us the, the order and the, past, and the reason that the church exists. And the church world is here. And the church is alive for, for this process to continue on. For disciples to be made so that God's, all of God's children can come home. That we recognize it is not the will of God that any should perish. But they should come into repentance. They should come into life. But there will be people that are going to be lost and dying and going to hell. And it's our job to go forth and make disciples. But to do so to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might to do so in such a way that they won't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine that comes along. That they recognize there's only one God. There's only one Lord. There's only one faith. There's only one baptism. There's only one church. And when we get there, there's a lot of people that may be surprised that reject that. But I'm telling you, when we get over there, there's going to be just all of us together in one place at one time around the throne of God. And we need to recognize that as we move forward in faith so then we get into Ephesians 5 where he tells us Paul goes on and says now walk in love take this love that God has for you take this love that God cares about you and imitate it imitate it live like God wants you to live act like God wants you to act be what God wants you to be 
And then before we get to the main that we're going through this morning, let's skip over to the family real quick because the family is that unit that which God has chosen to express himself in the act of love. And then look at verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. The husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives. You know, they're very interesting. Never says for the wives to love her husband. I don't know why. Don't know why that doesn't say that there. You think about that on your own. Husbands, love your wives. Now, I want you to hear this with me. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself glorious, a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, and he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each of you, in each one of you in particular, so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. What, what, what are we recognizing here? Something very beautiful, something very powerful in this passage. You see, what, what is happening in this in this moment at the time, is that in that culture, the wife found her identity in her husband. And we kind of have a little bit of it today because the, uh, usually the wife surrenders her family name and takes the name of the husband. So her name is no, like my wife's name, last name was Pulling, but you, don't, you wouldn't have even known that. That was her, what we call maiden name. She took my name. So now in our culture and in this culture, we recognize that husbands ought to love their wives so much that her identity is nothing but love. That's what it says here, that he should love her so completely and totally because it is like he is loving not only her, but he's loving herself because she is part of him now. That her identity is in her, him, her identity is in him. And there is this beautiful mystery, as Paul is saying here, as they become one flesh. And that the beauty that God has designed in marital bliss here is that not that, they're, not, not that she is some kind of subordinate, because that is a false interpretation of what it's saying here, that, that, that she is to be some kind of slave and misused and abused. That's not loving your wife. But what it is saying here is that there is a beautiful, there's a beautiful, identity that comes here when a husband is willing to do everything in his power to see that his wife is loved. Now, I guarantee you, if I stood up 
And I, and I had a husband that I had, a, I had a, a bachelor that said, I'm going to follow the biblical way of God's love and I'm going to love you completely and totally. And I, I'm not going to hurt you or harm you. I'm going to do everything to make certain that our life is nothing but the love of God and full of love of God. And that when you find your identity and when, uh, my house and my love and my heart, that you're going to be part of me and that I'm going to care for you and everything that you do. And there's some bachelorettes out there. I figure if he's decent looking, we'd get some takers. You know what I'm talking about? So when you understand the biblical principle here, it's not that we're trying to say that the wife is somehow less. No, no, Paul is telling us that, it's, that, that the love that God has, the love that God has for the bride, he is saying, you, all your sin, everything that you are, all that you brought, that you were once darkness, now has been changed to my light. And I'm going to do everything I possibly can to make certain that you grow, that you produce much fruit, that you're going to be blessed and they're going to be loved. And all of your sickness shall be healed and all of your pain shall be lifted and all of your cares shall be gone because I identify, I'm going to allow you to identify Identify yourself in me. Christ loving the body of loving you. And so we, 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 we misuse this passage sometimes to mean something that it does not mean. But the reality is, is that, that this is creating a beautiful picture of home that the enemy today is trying to destroy more now more than ever. Because if you don't have this, this arrangement, it doesn't mean that you, you, you live before God and you, and you walk with God and your husband and wife and you live what, how God has called you to live. And sometimes that, those roles look a little bit different from marriage to marriage. And, but that's God moving in their marriage and you shouldn't judge your marriage based on somebody else's marriage. But you should both humbly submit yourself to God and ask God how to work these things through in our relationship. And so by doing so, we recognize that, that as I talked to you two weeks ago, where, where I, I explained to you that Song of Solomon passage, how the, the love of God is made, makes him, in a sense, vulnerable by, and I told you that, the, like I said, it's not, you can't touch God's godness, you can't touch God's eternity, but, but when someone chooses to love somebody, you make yourself vulnerable to that person by, allow, by allowing them and stripping away, as I said, the tree bark from from the tree is what the Hebrew was speaking of, that the heart is exposed. And now God is saying to, to the bride, he's saying to the church, he's saying, my heart is exposed to you. I've been made vulnerable to you that I want to love you and care for you. I, wanna, I want you to be by my side. And the same thing goes in husband and wife, that they are made vulnerable to one another, that they love each other and they care for each other. And you have to walk in that step and you got to walk in, that, in the love of Christ. And so all of this makes sense as you put it all together. And if you don't know, if you weren't here two weeks ago, just ask and we'll get you that CD. But we, we, we look at this so as a result of all this. All, the love of God over here telling us how to live. And the, and the favor of God over here redeeming us and pulling us out. And showing us that we can be in relationship with a mighty Savior. We have in front of us. This passage that we see this morning in excuse me, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You are a direct result of love. 
Every child in this room is a direct result of love. Amen? You are walked now as light, as children of light. And then he goes on, and I said, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Paul says in, earlier in Ephesians 4, he says, don't give room for the devil. Don't give place for the devil. Don't allow the enemy a place in your marriage. Don't allow the enemy a place in your home. Don't allow the enemy any kind of access to your life. But give God first, first and foremost the precedence in your home. Because, because doing this, when you, when you have darkness and allowing darkness around you and in you, it's going, to cause, it's going to cause dissonance. It's going to cause struggle. It's going to cause pain in your life because you're not supposed to live that way anymore. You're not going to produce anything holy with darkness being in your life. Verse 12, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, and for whatever makes manifest is light. And then I want to focus in on here. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. You see, the, he's speaking to us. He's, he's telling us that we need to wake up, to rise up. To wake up and it, he is describing this world as being in sleep. And I want to tell you there are so many people that are sleeping out in this world today. There are so many people that don't recognize the love of God and what is available. You see, the enemy has tried to redefine what we call love and turning it into hate. And the, and the enemy's trying to change the vernacular and trying to explain away what is, what is actually false. Because what happens is that if you follow what God has and the plan of God and the blessings of God, this place will be blessed, your house will be blessed, your home will be blessed, your families will be blessed, your children will be blessed, your, your job will be blessed. Everything, if you follow God, will be blessed. It's the way he has set it up. And where blessings do not flow is when God is not allowed to shine. You see, where, when we bottle it up and we close it off and we prevent God from moving and we prevent God from being in our lives and for, prevent God from being in our homes, we prevent the free blessing and the free flow of the anointing of God over us. And, and, and saying, well, I, I want to do this. I want to live this way. I want to have this. I want to I have as much fun in the world as I can and still go to heaven. No, the reality is, is this world is not your home. This place doesn't belong to you anymore. You've got a better place. Listen. There are people that we pray for on a regular basis that are this close between life and death. I want to tell you that one day that's going to be done away with. One day there shall be no more sickness. One day there shall be no more pain. One day there shall be no more parting. There will be no more goodbyes anymore. And all of God's children, that's why I had you sing that, are all going to be home. 
The Bible describes the very city of God in Revelation, 1,500 miles square, meaning this world cannot even contain a city like that right now. It, it is impossible for our mind to conceive that something would just go skyrocketing that high up, 1,500 miles. That's impossible for the way the world works today. But with God, all things are possible. And the Bible tells me that this world is going to be done away with. It's going to be, it's going to be burnt up. It's going to be destroyed. It's going to be melted with a fervent heat and then there's going to be the rebirth the rebirthing of the process of what God is going to do and and if you do a little bit of math and I'm giving away the end of one of my sermons all the way on Sunday another day but the reality is is that if you do the math there's about 70,000 acres per person per individual just in that city alone all by yourself listen you're going to have plenty of space you're going to have plenty of area for God has going to give you a, a, a mansion is going to give you a place he's going to give you an area where God it's going to be yours but yet there's going to be the throne of God and all you've got to do is just be in the presence of God and be in the light of God and function in that light and we're not going to need the sun anymore we're not going to need the moon and the stars anymore to give us light because the very presence of God is going to radiate light wherever it goes wherever it is and you will be part of that light light the beauty that's coming far outseeds anything that we have here listen all you have to do is just look around and drive up and down some of these coasts that we live are so blessed to live by and you see a, a tremendous amount of beauty you see a tremendous amount of of the glory of creation of God, and this isn't even close. One guy called it a shadow. You know what a shadow is? If you're standing out in the sun, I know you know what a shadow is, but the reality is if you're standing out in the sun and the sun's shining down on you and you see your shadow, does that shadow look like you? Well, it has your outline, but it doesn't look like your face. It doesn't look like anything. It's just a shadow. It does not it's not actually the reality of what this what it, what it, what you are it's just a light that's behind you is shining and you can see an image of yourself but it's not you this world is not our home it is a shadow it is beautiful in many 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 ways but can you imagine what it's going to be when he steps in are you going to, can you imagine what it will be when next day cancer is completely removed? Are you, can you imagine what it's going to be like when there's nothing, no parting, no sickness, all of it's gone? This is just a shadow. This is nothing but a shadow. And so what he tells us, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead. We live and we walk around dead people. We live around dead people on a regular basis. Yes, they have their hearts beating. And yes, they're breathing. And, they're, and by our very definition, they're, by the world's definition, they are not dead. They are alive. But in reality, in God, they are dead because their name is not written over there. And if their name is not written over there, if their citizenship is not over there, there's no place for them over there. And so God says they're dead. They're not alive. But he says, I don't want you to stay that way I want you to be here I can't tell you how much Jesus loves you 
and explain to you in human words in English how the, the depth of what he was willing to do to make certain that you are there. He literally, the Bible tells us, descended. He literally went into hell to pay your penalty. Every, you know what hell, it's separation of God. And and what hell is, is about is simply this, that for eternity, there will be people separated from the Lord. They will never know love. They will never know peace. They will never know joy. They will never know. All they will always know is darkness and agony for eternity. For eternity, that's where they will be. But in God, he says, here's what God, Jesus did. He went into that place and he said, I'm taking all of their sin because I love them. Because I don't want them to be here. So I will go there and bear it all. He was made sin for us, the Bible says. He took all of my sin. He took all of your sin. And now out of that love, though, that, but death could not hold him and the grave could not keep him. And, and even though he was there and in hell, he came forth and burst forth on that day. And no weapon could ever stop him and no soldier could ever prevent him. And I'm telling you, they had soldiers from the temple and soldiers from Rome around there. But I'm telling you, the enemy tried to have every demonic force all the way around that to say don't let him get up 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 but I'm telling you God looked down into that moment the father looked in his son and the spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead came into that body and he burst forth out of darkness and the light of God broke through all of the pain and all of the disease and all of the trial to bring the light of God to you Praise God in this place. So we should not walk as children of darkness because my Savior took it all on his own self. And so he says, verse 15, see then that you walk uprightly or circumspectly, not, not as fools. Fools don't, don't, pay, don't look at the cost. Fools don't recognize what tomorrow is going to be. Fools don't, don't look at the future. They don't, they're looking for the moment. They're only looking for the present. They're not, they're not gauging what their decisions based upon anything. They're very foolish. And so he says, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now, What Paul is saying here goes far beyond chronological time. There are two Greek words for time in, in the New Testament, one of which is chronos, where we get the word chronological. And it, it just means it is a linear time. It starts, it started, today started what was for me at midnight. I don't know about you, but it started last night. Some of you, you were still awake. <laughs> But it started last night at midnight today. And then it will go all the way through 11.59 tonight. And that will be one day. That will be one moment. That is chronological. That is measuring a linear aspect of time. 
That's saying, if you look at my calendar, I've got this thing to do and that thing to do. And this day, I've got this appointment at this time and that place to go at that moment. And I've got my time recognized in chronological segments on my calendar, my schedule. So if you, if you want to talk to me, I may not be able to talk to you until a certain day. I was looking at my calendar the other day. Somebody wanted to have a meeting with me. And I said, how's August 20 something? And I was... I was like, I'm sorry, I'm booked from there to there. And the, the reality is, is that we, we, look at, we look at life through linear things. Paul is not saying, redeem the chronological day. He's using another word, kairos, or kairos. And this word is, is represented of time, of explosion of beautiful things. So like the day you were married, the day your first child, second child, things that you can measure, things that you celebrate, your birthday, those things, these are Kairos days. These are days where they just explode in beauty and loveliness. And these are, these are days that we celebrate. We celebrate Easter. We celebrate, we celebrate holidays. You could say this, he's saying redeeming the holiday in a sense, but that's, that's a poor translation. So what he's meaning by this, and he's saying it is our job right now to go out into this world and maybe it might feel like that today is dragging and I'm, and, I, and I'm counting the hours, the moments, and the seconds, and I'm going through all this. Paul says, listen, don't live your life for the, the linear. Don't live your life for what this is happening and that's happening. You're in the world, but don't be of the world is another way to say it. You're in this world, you're part of this world, and you got to understand chronological because we get irritated if you always show up late and you say, I'm just on Kairos time, I'm not on linear time. But we, we're in this world, we got to live because we're in this world. But he's telling us here, he's saying, listen, you got to redeem the time, you got to redeem it. That means that you've got to live life in such a way that brings glory to God, that you can offer it up to the Lord, and you can bring glory to the Lord, and this, these events, that every moment of your life is an event, that the enemy, the, the enemy is trying to get you to look the other way, but every day is a a celebration. Every day is a praise service. At any moment in time, you can say, hold on a second. I've got to praise God because I just was reminded of what he did for me. Hold on a second, devil. I got to take a praise break here because I'm going to redeem this time and shout unto the Lord for what Zion has purchased for me. I redeem this time. I'm going to, I'm not living in this world, but this day I'm going to give it to the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. He paid the price. He bought our access in the glory and we no longer live with cares of this world, but now we live on eternal time. We live on eternal moments. We live in eternal manifestations. And even though this body will grow old because it's in this linear moment, there's a soul inside of you that is never going to die. There's a soul inside of you that when this body breathes its last, you're going to open up your eyes and see your Savior face to face. You're going to redeem this moment and awake one day and you're going to see the King. I'm telling you, it's shouting time. 
So he says, don't, don't live. These, these days are evil. Don't live for this linear moment. It's dying. It's dying. Because one day they will come to the end. He says, live your day for the celebration of what God has purchased for you and, and shout and rejoice and worship and be glad. I'm telling you, I can be in a bad place when the linear parts of my life are just causing me trouble and then I just get away alone with the Lord and I remember that I've got a home in glory. I begin to worship the Lord and I begin and the presence of God will fill that place and the glorious presence of the, the mighty one will lift my spirits and I recognize one more time this world is not my home. The beauty of what he has redeemed us through. And so he says, he says, no, listen. He says, do not be drunk with wine. In this access, in this area, he's saying, saying the things of this world that you're pursuing. He says, don't be drunk with these things. They're going to pass away. Don't, don't look at the, the wine is symbolic of the fruit of this world. Don't, don't, don't be, and wine is fermented, it's spoiled. It's where the alcohol comes from out of the wine. And so he, he's saying the, the, the fermentation of the wine represents a spoiling of what was once a fruitful grape. And now he's saying, don't be drunk with things that are spoiling and dying. He says, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Why? And this is where I'm getting the praise break from. 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You, you, don't, be, don't be caught up in the things of this world that are spoiling, but look at what the Lord has done. Grab your Bible and begin to sing. Grab your hymn book and begin to rejoice. Get your music in your soul and in your heart because God has redeemed you and God has loved you and God has cared for you and we have a purpose that he is creating in us. Mm. Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah 60 verse 1. It says, Arise, shine, for the light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And the Gentiles shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Mm. You want to you wanna see, here's another way of saying this. You want to see people get saved? Watch what happens when you reach somebody that loves, that, that they, they've been bought out of darkness into this marvelous light, and they come alive, and then let them witness to their friends and their family around them. Because what happens is that when they receive Jesus and they receive Christ as their Savior, they come alive, they wake up, and they start shining. And then other people are saying, I want to see what you've got. i got to understand what you have. And by their shining, others are going to come, and they're going to rise, and they're going to rise and shine. And over and over, the process has taken place for 2,000 years, and we recognize that several billion people walk in or have walked in. This beautiful light of Christ. And so he's telling us this morning, arise, shine, for your light has come. And then finally, he says, 
Verse 20, giving thanks always for all thanks to God, the Father, in the name of the, our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. You see, there's, there's that word. It's saying, I'm, I'm submitting to you, Lord. As I submit to my brother that's over me in the Lord or my sister that's over me in the Lord or whatever was happening in the, in the structure of the church or, or whatever's going on in, in the early church in, in chapter 4, he's saying, allow the presence of God to so fill your house that you recognize that every time you come together and like we would say today, every time we come to church, let it be an explosion of celebration, of joy, redeeming the time, recognizing that we are celebrating our birthday every Sunday morning. We're celebrating what we, what we once have lost and now have been found. We're celebrating that what the enemy tried to do to steal, kill, and destroy, the enemy has put down and thrown away. We are celebrating that Jesus Christ has put him under his foot and we are redeemed and we are blessed and we, are whole. we have hope today. We are celebrating right now that my name is written over there. We are celebrating right now that your your name is written over there. We are celebrating today, redeeming this day, calling forth this hour, and giving praise to God. When the love of God begins to shine forth through a community, it literally begins to change all around. Because what, what the enemy wants to, wants to separate, what the enemy wants to destroy, God, God's plan is to redeem and to come alive. I want to give you some bad news. The bad news is. We're all going to die. This body. I mean I'm sorry when you come to church you hear that. To live as such that this body is not going to die is to live foolishly. But to recognize that this does not have to be the end. This doesn't have to be it. Your life, who you are, can keep going as you find your identity in the one that holds life in your hand. His hand. Holds your life in his hand. One of my most, uh, one of the things that bothers me sometimes is that we, we forget that he holds us and upholds us by his very being. On our, on Wednesday night, we're talking about this. God is high above all. And we've got to worship him with this atmosphere of of recognizing how high and mighty and sovereign he is. And so we've got to have a holy awe of the Lord God. We have to have a holy awe of what he has done. But he also, in his wisdom, has decided to give us free will. And that even though he's sovereign, and even though he's over, over all, there, there is a free will in this world. And that, and in that free will, therein lies sin and pain. Because there are people that do not choose to walk in the light. 
And there are people that they will hurt you and hurt others and live evil and do evil things. And one of the things that drive me nuts is when someone says, well, that must have been the will of God. No, it wasn't. That was sin. God doesn't want sin in this place. And as I told you over and over and over again, that one day it's all going to be over. But that day, that moment that he remakes this place, there's no more chance of salvation. You with me? I'm closing this thing down. I want you with me here. This is very important. The moment he comes back, the moment that he returns, the door to the ark is closed. There's no more salvation. Why? Because he has been revealed. And the only way that we literally can be saved is through, by what? Faith. And when he steps out, and he rides on that white horse in Revelation 19, and he comes down to this place, he goes into Jerusalem, and he gets out of that horse, and they're trying to prevent that right now. They, they put a burial tomb through the eastern gate over there on the city, and they, because what they believe, the Muslims that know, they, they believe that a holy man won't walk through a, a cemetery. They won't go touch a dead thing. They won't touch things that are dead. And so they, they put a tomb, and they put a graveyard right in front of the eastern gate to prevent Jesus from coming back they don't realize that he's alive and the moment he puts his foot in that cemetery everything that's dead is going to come alive thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of east point church of god and pastor larry sterling the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.